Hello, you're listening to Theatre Scotland podcast with me, Lewis Baird. Today, I've got my friends from the Social Collective with me to talk all things political theatre. So I'll just let them introduce themselves to you. Hello, I'm Christian McComb and I was one of the designers for the company and I also featured slightly in the show as well. Um, I'm Isla Wilson um, and I was doing stage management for the production. Hi, I'm Joseph Casey and I was an actor for the production. I'm Rebecca Glass and I was the director for the production. I'm Lucy Thompson and I was the production manager. Great, thanks very much. So we're just to get started and I'm going to ask a very loaded question. The first question I'm going to ask, and I'll just start with <laughs> Joseph. Um, how do you feel about the current pandemic and the way the government's handling it? Um, the, the word shambles comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just, as it's went on, I've got less stressed about it. Like at the start, I was so, so stressed about it. Like you panicked a lot about it. But now it's just sort of became a way of life a bit. Like life's just changed and you've just had to kind of go with it. But in terms of the government, um, I just think it could have been handled better. Like, we, we, like, see when you watch these daily briefings, where is our prime minister? Like he is never at the front and center of it anymore. Like, it's almost like he's had it, so that's it, we're done. Um, time to get the economy back up and running. But I just don't think they care for people's lives enough. Like, they've not, they've overlooked care homes, like people with learning disabilities, they've all just been forgotten about um, by our government as a UK. That is totally separate from the Scottish government. I think they've been brilliant, and Nicola Sturgeon's been so clear and concise right throughout it. I think the Scottish government's handled it very well, but the UK as a whole, a bit of a shambles. <laughs> that's that's pretty fair. How about you, Ayla? How do you think it's been has been handled by the government? My God, big up Nikki Sturgeon. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, <laughs> I just I think I don't know. Like what I'm thinking about with the current pandemic. I mean, I'm just wondering about how things are going to look as the new normal for when we go back to uni and stuff, and like how life is going to look for us. Because I think it will be massively different for the next few for the next year at least. But yeah, I just think what England are doing anyway, they've just let people do like what the people are doing anyway, it seems from the stuff that I've seen online and Twitter and stuff and people being mm -hmm. in parks and obviously, but then I also think it's what they're doing, like it's just putting working class people at risk massively. The thing with the like the public transport and but don't go to work and then walk and cycle, and especially people who live in London, like some people live in like poorer parts of London, but then work on the other side of it and have to get a tube like they can't walk there you know just things like that so I just think I agree with Joe total shambles is the nicest word I can think of <laughs> <laughs> but you but both of you think yeah that um the Scot you feel that the Scottish government are definitely dealing with this pandemic better both of you feel that way yeah yeah yeah, like, obviously, yeah like because I want to see like my friends and family as much as the next people but it's like you just you've just got to do what you've got to do at the end of the day like it's and I feel like yeah. the Scottish government as well is also, like, when they speak to us, like, whoever it will be, like, whether it's Gene Freeman or Nicola Sturgeon, yeah. I feel like they're also, there's just a bit of emotion about it. Like, when Nicola Sturgeon talks about the yeah. deaths, not just the, mm -hmm. the, the step, just, it's someone's life. And also, yeah. they kind of acknowledge, like, you know, we want out of this as much as you do, just stick with us, whereas... Boris is just kind of like, oh, do what you want. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it just seems a lot clearer with Nicola Sturgeon. Like, whenever she speaks, like, it just seems like there's just a lot more clarity for us, I think. And then, um, even like her plans to roll out, um, easing off our lockdown, 
um, on Thursday she's announcing that I'm pretty sure that um, like what that's going to look like for us I just feel like even what the first things that she's announced that will happen by the end of May are just so clear for us I feel like rather than the like people in England and stuff and I'm not sure how it looks in Wales and Ireland but for us I just feel like we have a lot more clarity Who came my lucky stars that we had big yeah. men yeah yeah like, I- I definitely agree with both of you in the fact that obviously we have a lot more humanity coming from our leader mm-hmm. than down south do in, in the shape of Boris Johnson. I just think, yeah, I completely agree with what you are saying and the fact that they're coming on the TV every day and they're obviously addressing the issue, but they're coming on and giving you statistics about people who are obviously dying, people are in hospital, but then they're going back to talking about the economy in England and that's what's important for them. And I think I agree with what you two said, like in Scotland, you can totally tell they're being very transparent with us and being like, this is what we need to do. Just stick with us. And they're caring about people rather than, obviously businesses are important, but at the end of the day, people are like losing their lives to this. I always think like whenever I'm watching the news and like a politician is asked like a hard question about like poverty or like unemployment, they give them really like, oh yes, we're doing this and this and this. But it's always really vague and jumbled and they say they're doing a plan, but then you read somewhere later on, like on social media that that actually got disproved. Like they would never prove the fact I think they ordered like a bunch of tests and they were unsuccessful um and things like that or someone said there was a hundred thousand tests being done and then like it turns out 40,000 hadn't actually been done yet like they don't really put that stuff as big as they do with their kind of their, their good news so it's kind of like fake news not to quote Donald Trump you sound like Trump you <laughs> know <laughs> But like, it just feels really confusing. Like, I never know whether they're making progress or not, and I feel like they're not. Yeah, fair enough. I think I just agree with pretty much what's been said. We all are kind of on the same page, hence why we do political theatre together. Um, <laughs> I do think it's been handled a lot better in Scotland, but I think there's going to be big questions across the board. Um, we have done, I feel, a lot better than England have. Um, however, like social care really needs to be looked at no matter what yeah. country you're in. I think there's been a lot of questions and I think it's been good as well in that we appreciate carers now and they're often sidelined, underpaid and I feel like maybe that's something positive that can come out of this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I'm going to move on to the next question now, um, just in regards to theatres. I'm going to the kind of theatre side of this now. Um, and I'm going to ask, I've asked this question last week as well on the podcast, but I'm going to ask Lucy, this is your question because it's relevant to you and me. Um, when do you think theatres will reopen? It's like a really scary thought because on the one hand, like I'm panicking about it because you want, you know, theatres are going to really suffer from this. So you want them to get back on their, like up on their feet and things like that. But on the other hand, when we're working a shift, there's like an audience of 3000 people in a confined yeah. space. If you're doing a matinee, that's, 6,000 people like if you're doing like a matinee and an evening shift that's 6,000 people in one day that you're like you're touching their tickets you're serving them drinks you're like they're speaking at you and shouting at you or whatever maybe not shouting but not shouting but yeah so like at the same time it does give me a lot of anxiety because I'm like how are they going to combat that um because I don't think a lot of theatres are going to you know it's going to be really hard to do any sort of social distancing and whatever they decide to do with it but at the same time you know we can't let the arts just fade away because um, they really rely on the audiences to keep going and theatre is really important so yeah yeah absolutely I can agree what about yourself Kirsty do you, do you agree with that? I agree with everything that Lucy said like I think it's a scary thought to think that that amount of people is going to be in the same room again 
Um, but like Lucy said, the arts can't just slip away and the government can't let that happen either. And I think you can see like online, like social media and stuff, that the arts has been used as a way for people to kind of connect, even if it is like still social distancing and they're having to do it through their computers. Like, I definitely think it's been like a creative outlet for people and it's probably helped a lot of people through this, like mentally. So I think they definitely need to remember how important the arts is, but yeah, it's a scary thought to think how they're going to handle it whenever everything starts again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you. I think the big thing is that, like Lucy said as well, that obviously a lot of people watching people been watching theatre online throughout this period, and that's from old shows. But imagine what the future is going to be like. Um, and the big thing that I, I'm going to ask Rebecca, um, this first, uh, what kind of political theatre? you think will be produced because of this pandemic? I think for the first couple of years out of this, um, I don't think there'll be any real, really big seminal kind of political theatre pieces about the coronavirus, mainly because it's just too new. Um, and doing anything based on the tragedy of it, which needs to be covered as well, um, might appear as opportunist. I think there'll be a lot of things digging at the government and what they've done. Um, I think there'll be a lot of personal stories told in community settings, but I don't think there'll be any massive pieces um, covering the event as a whole for a while. Um, because I think there needs time and I think people need comedy before they need a big tragedy historical piece, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, because obviously it's too it's too new, it's just too close to the bone, it's too close to the because obviously a lot of people lost, lost a lot over this. I can see a lot of opportunity for verbatim, just if you look at other sort of economic crises within the UK, if you think back to like the closures of the mines, the privatisation of the railways, like all of, I mean that's how we started because we used the story of the privatisation of the railways to um, like begin our ideas of verbatim theatre for our piece. But so I just think like this will, in a couple of years, but I do agree with Rebecca, people do need comedy and that before they need some massive, very deep political story. But I think if you look at all the stories and great theatre pieces that have come out from other horrible, like economic and tragic moments from the UK, in the past, I think there's such a massive opportunity for really strong pieces of verbatim theatre, I think, like in amongst political theatre. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I mean, we're going to have a lot of, of evidence and a lot of quotes um, from, from this, especially some from Donald Trump and Boris. Who isn't going to be talking about um, injecting, uh, <laughs> what was it, bleach into... <laughs> oh, ble yeah, bleach. And then there was the, he said about that ingredient... I can't remember what it was called now. It was like called Chlor or something. And then people, that couple took it. It was in like, a, it was in like fish tank cleaning tablets. He yeah. was advising people to take like Chlor. It, it is, yeah, I think they'll, surely that'll be used at some point. Yeah, that'll definitely, and, and Boris as well. Um, I mean, I think we'll be looking to Joseph to be to be doing some of the, the, the Trump impressions. I mean, I'm not going to ask him to do it right now, but he is, his Trump is spot on. But what I want to ask now is, um, what kind of theatre can you imagine us producing? Obviously, I think definitely within the lockdown, a lot of people have been caught up with ideas, not just within like our company, but also other companies has been loads of ideas. But for us, we definitely have been spitballing. And in our group chat, there's been a lot of things getting said, a lot of ideas. And I think each day there's a new thing we're seeing and we're just like, oh, okay, let's do this. But what could you see us doing in the future? It'll be related to this, but, or maybe something else, but what can you see us doing? Um, I think like something that we could possibly see doing is almost like 
the start of 2020, like in the future, obviously, because it, it started off already as a pretty shaky year with Brexit. And then all of this came along, and I'm sure like you could tie the two things together to make a like creative piece, and almost just demonstrate probably the feelings of the government right from Brexit through to coronavirus. Like I think you could put that on a stage setting. Obviously, not immediately in the future. Like Rebecca said, you don't want to make it seem opportunist. Mm -hmm. But I do think like that could make a really good piece on stage, like looking at that kind of side of things. Yeah, I mean, 2020 definitely has been an eventful year. Um, have you got anything to say, Rebecca? Because obviously you're filled with ideas. I mean, we, could, we need to mention your video um, with, um, it was, if anyone's not seen it, I'll probably put a link into this as well. Um, it's a video <laughs> of um, basically about how we should be helping our neighbours and looking out for others, but it's very, very good. And I think we'll agree with me that it's a really good short film. But yeah, um, have you got any ideas that what we could do as a, as a company? I think um, obviously we come up with a lot of ideas, whether it's comedy or looking at areas of interest that really appeal to us. So for example, my grand carer, so that's really important to me. But I think it's just the one thing we need to have, and I think we do have, is this sense of integrity in that we won't do something because it'll be popular or it'll ruffle feathers. It might ruffle feathers and it might be popular, but that's not why we want to do it. It's because it's important to us and we feel like it's an important story to tell. So I think as long as we continue doing that, I'll be happy. And um, you know, we have we have a good writer on board, we have a good uh, creative team on board. So yeah. I mean, that is true. I think what what we did we did um, a play called national service which was all about the privatization of the nhs it was a verbatim piece um and we didn't do that to ruffle feathers we didn't do that for our, well there was entertainment in it there was comedy in it there was truth in it but the thing is we didn't do it for all of that we did it to get across the message and i think the company did well to band together and, and do that and i think I, I completely agree with you that we should be doing that in the future conveying a message of importance yeah no absolutely that's really that's what i really like about our company is that we have like we do do a lot of comedy so like obviously as Rebecca you were saying you don't want to like just kind of use it as an opportunity so our you know pieces have a lot of comedy in the characters we use but then there's a really good balance between like the funny characters and kind of making fun of the politician characteristics and things like that to then talking about the real story so like in our um, national service piece we had like the real nurses and you know the parents that were upset about the NHS and things like that and I think you know that's a really good thing about us is that we've got a good balance and we do kind of like take the piss but we also really like tell good stories like true stories and sort of raise like the sort of awareness kind of I guess um for it as well as kind of keeping it light and at the same time yeah absolutely i agree with lucy as well with like how our, i find that i find with the national service like we the comedy in it we had a really i find the balance we had really it worked really well because i found it really engaged the audience in those moments but then it just led nicely into the ser more serious topics that we discuss in a national service and i just think that's something we can definitely use to our advantage maybe like with this in the future or, or things that became apparent because of the coronavirus pandemic like things that happened such as like death toll ppe shortages unemployment things like that you know putting working class people at risk and you know the ridiculous things that the leaders of 
the world have said so things like that but I just think that as a company that's something we do really well and I think it's um comedy such a good way of engaging people instead of just hitting them with all this hard stuff and that hard stuff is important but I think we use the comedy really well in a national service to engage young people in um the politics and what was these important facts that we'd found out and I think like we didn't we started the idea before the referendum like the voting was like even a thing like before you know that was even happening and then it just so happened that it was the same time and it just seemed to fit in nicely but I just think it's something that I personally think that we are very good at and it's just important to keep people engaged with and like it's good to have that comedy first over something sad and depressing <laughs> maybe yeah, like it was interesting like when we did our scratch performance for the a national service like one of the audience members who gave us feedback said it was like a roller coaster of emotions like one minute you're laughing the next minute you're like wanting to cry because of the different tones we use within it and the different things that we take from it and then but I just think that was something that was very clever about that piece and what's quite clever about our company is how we make it that roller coaster of emotions to make to engage people, to keep the emotions fresh within the performance. I think that's quite a, a good aspect of our company. Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. I mean, I think the thing is also, I mean, with people our age, our attention spans aren't that good. So if it's something that is really like deep, dark and depressing, and as much as it's true and as much as it might resonate with us, we might not connect to the piece because it's just too dark and it's too real. So I think what we did was we obviously looked at, for inspiration, the Shivi at the Stag and the Black Black Oil, which every Scottish like actor, uh, dramaturg, director, anyone will know this play because it's just, it's talked through it constantly. I think we looked at that as a kind of base point to go, right, okay, let's do verbatim, but let's make it funny. Let's take quotes and absolutely rip the pitch and make it a satire. I think our company did really well because there was stuff where we'd done really real, really sad moments, really shock moments. And then the next minute we're saying, you know what? Let's bring Trump on stage with Lego bricks trying to build a wall. That really works. We'll do that. And I think that really worked. And I agree with you guys. I think that I think that um, comedy like that just it works really well with with satire. And that that's the last question I've got. If anyone wants to add anything else in at all just before we go, then that's that's been us. I think you've done well to put everything out there. Um, I'm just gonna say that I really hope we all actually do something with this because. I just like, as Lewis said before, I think it was Lewis that said that the amount of information we send in every day, like, I think we all get so angry about this, like, the stuff that comes out of it, and it's like, the things that we were finding out doing research for a national service that, like, politicians and, like, things that had actually happened and things that people had actually said, and even though we use that to our advantage in, like, satire and stuff, but then sometimes you have to turn around and go, like, no, like, people actually said this, like, politicians, like, leaders and very high up people have said these things, but we've, like, people are like, oh, that's ridiculous, and we're... So I just think there's so much that we can use to educate people and use to our advantage creatively. So I just really hope we actually do something with it because I think we all work as a team very well, just to big us up a bit. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big up the team. That's what, what you're saying there about like how crazy like some of the stuff the politicians were saying. That's something that always kind of like, not worries me, but I was kind of thinking like, this is so insane. Are people going to think that we made this up? Like some of the stuff that Boris Johnson said, for example, when you when we first like read that research, I was like, no, that can't like be true. And like I was like, oh my goodness, are people gonna think we're just trying to like be ridiculous? And I was like, no, he did say this, guys. Please remember, like audience, this is like this is not our script that we've written. This is verbatim. Like 
I mean, we did write the script, but we didn't make it up. This is verbatim, word for word. It's so insane. Yeah, no, especially like acting out a like character like Donald Trump. Like, see, trying to act that and try and bear in mind that this is our real person that said this, and not just like any person, like the president of the United States. And you're having to go on and like chat like you're like an idiot. You are going on and pretending to be an idiot. But unfortunately, it is a real life person that you're playing, and it's just mental. And I think because what we perform is something that everyone is going through. Like at the time we performed the national service, the, we performed that the day before the general election. And I just think because it was all going through, it made us as a company much closer. Like we all got on and because we all, we all had that opportunity to vote, we all knew we were going to have to go and vote as well. And I feel like that just made us bond even more, the fact that we were learning about it. And like, I honestly think everyone should have those facts before they go and vote because I certainly think it would change a lot of the Tory voters' minds. I'm not sure about that. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I'm, I must admit, because there's some of the things we looked at and we're like, people aren't going to believe us. And I think the, the, the most bonkers thing, because obviously I had to source some of the, most of our brain I had to source from the internet. And you would think it was like people, like there would be media outlets making things up about Boris Johnson, but it wasn't. It was Boris Johnson writing an article before he was the prime minister and it all came from him. So you're sitting there thinking like, cause usually people go, oh, that's an incorrect source. You've got that from someone wrong. We've got that from him. And it's quite scary to think that someone like that, who has just outed these sort, like outed this stuff and has been vile as a prime minister and people actually look up to him. It's scary. Yeah, because it was like in our vibe, I remember when we were just, when you were just the script, we literally had to say so many times that they were like, well, this bit in the script, like, we were like, no, this is all verbatim. Like, there was only very small improvised bits saying that were a bit over-exaggerated. I'm not going to go into what those were because they're not PG enough, I don't think, but there was, <laughs> but literally the script, every bit of it, like, the, that there was something ridiculous that had been said I just remember in the vibe, I was having to be like, no, like, justify it. This was something that we had, that had someone had said, like, and it, and it is a bit mind blowing. And then there's just so many things that I can't even imagine what, if we do something on this, what this script will look like, Lewis, because of all the stuff that you'll find online. Um, also, we, like, see, looking at it as someone who's doing like a very high paid job and a very like job that needs to include the whole country, like Boris Johnson, I'm speaking about people saying I can't believe they would choose to go around looking like letterboxes and everything. That is racism. Like, that is racist. And can't confirm that's direct from him, by the way. Just confirming that is a direct source from Boris. It's not, not Joseph's not making this up. <laughs> um, no, I just think that's crazy. Like, if you had been... He's obviously not been convicted of racism, but, you know, in other jobs like teaching and and being adopted and stuff, like you would be pulled up for that and you could be like scrutinized in your job for that. And somehow it's benefited him and he's came out as the prime minister of the UK. And I just think that's shocking that he's supposed to be someone who controls the country when actually he's ripping the piss out of like some people that live there, like, you know, it's just not on. Welcome to the UK, it's went to hell. I think the, the big thing though is that I hope, now I'm, I'm gonna say this, I'm just gonna go out with it. Um, the big thing I hope that comes out of this, and it's something that I want to write about, it's something that we all want to happen. We, we've said this in the chat, 
is that an indie ref does come out of this because of all the stuff that's been said, the way the UK has been treated, the way that Nikki has turned into like the head honcho of the UK at this point in time. And she, I mean, she has just shone through it. I think a lot of people even said that like the WHO, who's World Health Organization, they, they said that Scotland's dealing with this really well. And there's a lot of a lot of people down south who are like, we're moving to Scotland after this is done. We're done with the, the Tories. There's a lot of people who are looking up or just looking at Scotland and going, okay, we see you. We see what's happening. And it is, it is really incredible that she's, we're not independent and we're still stuck with Boris and the Tories and Westminster, which just isn't benefiting us. As much as people say that we are taking money and stuff, this, we, we are scrounging and all this. It's Scotland. It's got a good leadership in Scotland that is actually doing well for itself. Um, if yeah. there's one little thing I could add, which I think is important based on what we've all said, is that um, as a theatre company, we know we are very set in our political beliefs. Um, uh, so we are all very yeah. left-wing, I'd say, um, indie supporters, things like that. Um, and I think we got given a piece of feedback that our, um, for verbatim, that our piece was very one-sided left-leaning. And I think that that's okay, as long as we are honest with people and say that's our, that's the way we think. You know, there is other opinions out there, but we won't give it the platform. We may show some of it and how ridiculous it is, but we will not justify the opinions that we think are wrong. So I think that's an important thing to add. I think the thing is also that not only... It's fair enough what our, what we actually lean towards, but we're not actually screwing to people's faces what to vote. That's what we didn't do. We didn't go, vote SMB or vote, or vote whatever. We were just saying this is how we view things. We were showing people in verbatim what had been picked apart from Boris Johnson, from Trump, from other ministers, and also just showing what the, the, the political policies of the Tories were doing. And we weren't saying, oh, uh, vote this way. We we're just saying, this is, this is who's currently about to be our prime minister. Look at what's wrong with it. You could vote any other way. They could literally vote for Labour. They could vote for Greens. They could vote for SNP. They could vote any way but we're, we're literally just showing them. They could even vote for Tory. We're just showing them what the Prime Minister's done. Anyone got anything else to add? Or are we done with our political rant? I will never be done with my political rant. <laughs> but for the purposes of the podcast, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, they, then. Well, on that, I think we'll say goodbye. Um, so... Thanks for listening and thanks guys for joining me again. It's been really good. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Theatre Scotland podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode.